Welcome to Out of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast where we share our stories of starting and running our float centers. We love it when you join us as we work together to raise our education level on building, marketing, and running our float centers. As always, you can find us at Art of the Float on all the social medias and find us on artofthefloat.com to find show notes, links, pictures from any episode that we talk about or anything that we talk about on any episode. As always, I'm your co-host, Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon with my wife, Sandra Calm. And as always, I'm joined with Amy of Float Nashville. And I'm very excited today. We have some incredible guests that I'm so excited about on the show. We have Glenn and Lee Perry, the uh, absolute float pioneers, uh, original creators of commercial float tanks with the Samadhi Company and co-founders of the FTA. We're going to find out a lot more about the history of floating with them. And also they're starting an Indiegogo campaign with a new float tank. I'm really excited to hear about that too. So uh, there's just so much to talk about today, which I should note means we're also going to uh, be a little bit shorter on our intros about uh, our, our weeks. At least we're going to do our best to be a little bit quicker on that and really just give these guys all the time uh, they'd like because I just love, love listening to them every time at the float conference they're on stage it's really just uh just a treat so this will be this will be fun before we get started i do want to thank a few patreon supporters who just signed up thank you so much matt soper uh, and his wife jen from the float experience thank you so much for signing up on our patreon and sherry vanderveld of float in the forest float in the forest isn't actually open just yet but it certainly will be thank you guys so much for supporting us uh, really really appreciate it also, uh, December's photo shoot is out. Uh, so anybody who's supporting us at the $10 level or higher, you should have gotten a notification that those photos are available. Please use them. We love that. And know that there's another one coming out on the 15th, and that's actually going to be emailed to you. And then we're changing how we're doing it in January. So uh, you won't have access to all of the previous ones uh, when you sign up anymore. We're actually going to email you every photo we've taken. We're actually remastering them, brightening some images, uh, recoloring, just doing a lot of touch-ups i say we i'm re- recoloring and doing all that uh so um it'll be exciting to uh, get those out to you guys uh and then you'll get it just just like always you'll get a new set every month but they will be uh instead of actually on the patreon page they'll be emailed to you directly for you guys to use if you guys ever want uh, any changes in how these look if you want more uh, uh warm colors or more white colors, please uh, message us, email us. I, I do love the feedback and uh, want to want to do what you guys want to use for your float centers. I also want to give a shout out to Float Helm. Float Helm is the software built from the ground up from uh, an actual float center. You might have heard of Float On. Uh, these guys opened a float center and decided that uh, the software out there just wasn't good enough for a float center and all the things that we do, which quite honestly, there isn't any floats, <laughs> excuse me, any software that really does work perfectly for a float center. So they wrote their own. They started to learn how to code and they, you know, they actually have true coders at this point too, but um, they develop software that is going to track your chemicals in your float tank. So when the city comes knocking and they want to know what's going on in your float tanks, you'll have years of data to show exactly what's been going on in there. But it's not just that. It's also, of course, scheduling for uh, your customers. It's also uh, scheduling your employees. It's uh, actually, there's a logbook that's just always running. So you can have conversations throughout the day and throughout the week uh, and let people know. It's also a great space for shift turnover, which is something we do at the float shop. Uh, So at the end of your shift, you just uh, make a little Make a little note about what's been going on, share a nice story, whatever it is, and more things get covered that way. It's real nice. So floathelm.com is where you want to go to schedule your free tour. Hi, Amy. How you doing? Hey there, Dylan. I am doing all right. Glad Are you to open be yet? here. Open? No? <laughs> yes? Maybe? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I don't think anybody's surprised about that, but we're no. hoping... The goal is, and my fingers are crossed, that maybe a week before Christmas, I'll even take it as a few days before Christmas, we might be able to get a temporary permit, excuse me, to open the tap room. So that's where we're selling kombucha and other probiotic-based drinks. And we figure if we can get that open, we can sell some gift cards, we can sell some Mm -hmm. retail out of there, Mm -hmm. and, you know, just make enough to, (laughs) you know, pay the rent uh, for the next month. That'd be nice. That's really all I'm asking for. So we've spent a lot of this week trying to finalize details for the tap room. We mm. finished up our menu. We started, um, we, we've started the process of making our product. Uh, but uh, we're doing some other things. We're doing some manufacturing for uh, CBD 
uh, company here in Tennessee, first one, high-quality CBD products. So we've been meeting with them trying to get some retail created and manufactured before opening. It has been crazy all week long. <laughs> crazy. You know, I like it is for any build-out, right? You well, know. and off the air, you were saying, you, they're just going to hear me talking about build-up yet again. It's still <laughs> ongoing. But you know what? For, for a listener who hasn't gone through this, this is a great insight <laughs> to the yeah. realities of build out. It, yes. It is. It's crazy. So, you know, when you look at when you look at your everyday, um, you know, this is a bigger project than Float Nashville. When we opened Float Nashville, we had two float tanks, a massage room. I'm like, I got mm. the massage. I was a massage therapist. And it was only eleven hundred square feet. Now we have fifty eight hundred square feet, a tap room, five other services, <laughs> and you know, I'm sitting here trying to balance, okay, getting equipment in, making sure product is created. We're doing some manufacturing. So that's a whole nother level. And we are just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make sure we have our gift cards in, that banners are made, that brochures are made, that uh, product is made, that, you know, things are moving in on time. The other issue today, here's a big one. Um, I went in, our light guy, our electrician was there. And he said to me, so all these motion sensors, um, you know, some of these are set up so that, you know, they're actually right across from each other. It doesn't even make any sense. So we should probably go over all these motion sensors. And I'm going, all these motion sensors? How many motion sensors are there? Yeah. Uh, he says, oh, there's 30, it looks like about 34, 35 motion sensors. Amy, why do you have 34 motion sensors? I don't. <laughs> I said there should be motion sensors in three rooms. Oh, there no. should be three motion sensors. Um, and I went in to sit down, and there are motion sensors everywhere. And I mean every room, every hallway, every, like, the tap room had, like, three motion Tell sensors. Tell me you did not pay for that, or you're not going to. <laughs> well, the great thing is, is that it saves us. I, I wondered why the bid was so high. It's going <laughs> to save us thousands of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we also discovered that... Uh, our architect put in a bunch of lights that she told me she wasn't going to put in. So I'm out buying lights for rooms that already have lights. Oh, great. I mean, so yeah, it was yeah one of those days. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, motion sensor palooza at Float Alchemy is How what funny. it is. Of all the things we can prepare somebody for, for their build out. It's just amazing <laughs> the things that come up. You just, you cannot prepare for all of these things. Sometimes and, they cost and, more, and yeah. sometimes I guess they're inadvertent savings, but <laughs> that's And you rare. go over those plans again and again and again, mm. and there's revisions upon revisions upon revisions, and especially when you have a large, even when you don't have a large space, you have to take the time and sit down and go through with every single one of your subcontractors everything they're going to do. Walk through each room, mm. walk through what you're going to be doing in that room, how you're going to be getting there. It is time intensive. I spent three hours today with the electricians, just going through everything. Wow. And then we had a meeting with the architect, and then we had a meeting with his, with the electrician's boss, and then we had a meeting. It, it's crazy, but you have to do it. It's just very time intensive. You just expect it. Whew. You're amazing, Amy. <laughs> You're nope, amazing. nope, nope. Just, just doing what anybody who's ever started a flow center has done. Well, uh, you make my week, you really put it in perspective, because I've just been stressed out that the, the artist I've been working with, like, uh -huh. I has been a lot slower than I've wanted to. So I'm, I'm working Ugh. on some graphics for the holidays and I need an image for the email that we're about to send out. And there it's going slower than I want. And he says that he has eye strain. And I totally believe that. And that's fine. I want him to feel better. But then when I do get something back, it's not what I want or like, it's a little bit scary looking. It's a little more nightmare before Christmas, which is cool. It's just not the brand <laughs> of, of the flow shop. And so, uh, I'm starting to get a little, little nervous about that. Um, or do I need to work around it type of thing? So, um, yeah. I'd be curious to know who else has this problem. I think one of the hardest things that I have come across is finding a graphic artist who's willing to commit to studying the brand, understanding mm. it, and then producing, you know, producing in a, in a timely manner the content needed. I think that is probably one of the probably one of the biggest needs that I have, and I bet we're not alone. <laughs> so I'd love to hear if anybody has. Uh, some uh, some good stories about that or some mm. good solutions to that. Have you looked among your clients? We have, um, but not, yeah. So, so we haven't found anybody who is, 
who who really does the style that we need. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really been the problem. And we've we've actually used I've used a client to work on one thing, but they were very slow. And so we realized all out the front. Not that we wouldn't consider clients at all, but I was like, what if, you know, now this is an awkward situation and now they're not producing what they want. And what if we don't like it? And mm. it can produce, my thought is it might be able to, might produce some difficult feelings. Um, but we, we still look, we do. Um, and we've put out calls to clients for things like models, asking for models for float shoots. We have reached out to our community for um, what, like one-off projects, like uh, we ha- we have hired a photographer from our clients uh, mm. to come in and take some pictures. We have hired a client to do some uh, catering for us for an event. So I find those one-off projects is usually when I'm ready to, to reach out to them. And mm. we've had some amazing, amazing things happen for sure. Yeah. yeah I, I would, our history is more like Amy's there with, with one-off projects or collaborating, but less for like outright hiring them for a project. Yeah. But uh, be- I, because I think it needs to fit so specifically with the brand. By the way, for anybody who was curious, that was Lee Perry. <laughs> Lee Perry. <laughs> I didn't, hadn't introduced you guys yet, but. Uh, oh, sorry. Glenn, no, it's all good. I take it. It's all good. <laughs> uh, Glenn and Lee are both both on here as well. So you guys can chime in anytime. And, and then uh, I'll do that. Okay. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Um, we, we just had an amazing experience uh, related to what you're talking about. We, we needed a video of our for our new crowdfunding campaign, mm-hmm. and it, and it turns out that Lee has a nephew here that is living locally in this and, tiny little town. Oh, funny! And <laughs> one and year ago he moved in, <laughs> and he was uh, a film person for fifty years, including. Uh, teaching in colleges and universities and wow. so on. And he f- at first said he was not willing to actually shoot it, but he would talk to us and give us some, some advice. Uh, uh-huh. And after talking to us, he agreed to do it. And <laughs> it was, un- uh, it's like, he could, it couldn't have been better. Oh, our, our video is amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I have watched your video, and it is really sweet. I love it. He did a great job. And I like the music in the background as well. Oh, where, where did that come from? Off the streets in, uh, let's see, what country in was he in? You're Greece. In Greece. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well done, you guys. What, what do you think convinced him to, to do it? We had a good time together. We yeah. had never met before. Networking, man, socializing, yeah. Yeah, and so he said, well, why don't you come over? We'll meet and we'll talk. Mm-hmm. And so we did, and we spent about three, you know, I had never met him. Well, I had met him, but mm-hmm. we didn't know each other. We were living in different cities. And uh, after a couple of hours of talking together, he said, I'll shoot it. And so we said, okay. And uh, yeah. I love it. Passion is contagious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, it, I, it seems to me that coincidence control sits at our side so much of the time that, um, you know, we, you put it out loud and it comes marching down mm-hmm. the road. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That's why, I, yeah, that's why I suggested that mm-hmm. is that, um, but I, I'm talking from a different place in time because what you're saying is so perfect in, you know, it never changes, you know, from the very beginning where we make a list of the things we had to do before anything was there. It was like, we didn't even know what should be on the list. Right, totally. (laughs) And, you know, but you're making the list now and all those things were on the list, but we didn't know <laughs> that they belonged there, you know? So it, it's just, it's true, that warning, you know, it's going to come and get you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned a little bit from the first time around. I knew nothing what I was doing the first time. So um, it gets yeah. a little easier, but not completely. <laughs> so, so we, we um, had an idea-ish of what a float center looked like because we had a float on to go like, okay, this is how a functioning float center exists. And so we actually had something to look at, 
But even so, you know, a year or two later, we see tile being lifted up or completely liquefied by salt. You know, we see, uh, or, <laughs> oh gosh, a flood of, of, of water raining down from the second floor to the, to the first floor. All these things happen to, to us. What about you guys? I mean, you, you talk about that checklist. What was the first float center like, and how much did it stand up to things like Epsom salt and all of that? I mean, We, we were amazingly lucky because when we first started the business, we were doing it out of our home. Uh-huh. And we were uh, manufacturing primarily, mm-hmm. but we, in order to uh, get some market and so on, and to satisfy John, we mm-hmm. had to provide the tanks for people to, to try them in our home. And so we had two of them. Once we got tanks, you know, that we were manufacturing, we put two of them in our home, and we were uh, allowing people to come and and rent them. And we only had one shower and one bathroom, and so <laughs> we had to learn how to um, stagger, stagger, and clean up between. Oh, sure. And yeah. And all the and schedule and you know and make sure all those things were were as they should be. But we didn't allow more than four people a day to come. That makes sense. I was going to say with all the manufacturing, my goodness, that would just take up all of your time, I imagine. Yeah. So so we had four years of mistakes to learn from. Mm, so nice. actually, our center, we we never had all these problems that uh, people are having. There was actually just one problem. And that is that th- th- we had a huge uh, re- reception area, and periodically, in one corner, the, the uh, water would come bubbling up from the from the carpeting. Uh. A- and <laughs> we we first started looking for underwater rivers. Yeah. In and so on. But the name of the street we were on was La Cienega in Los Angeles. La Cienega in Spanish means the swamp. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, so we thought, oh my God, we, we put this place, you know, we had, a, uh, we had a contractor. He knew nothing about it. We said, yeah. you know, we're getting this puddle coming up on the carpet. Yeah. He knew nothing about it. We, you know, this went on for months. And as we investigated the most ridiculous things like that, like the one I told you, we're on a swamp somewhere in Beverly Hills, California. <laughs> and, uh, but the water didn't stop until somebody went through. We had five tank rooms and five showers. Mm-hmm. And a carpenter he was connected to the uh, uh, guy who put it in place went and very carefully looked at all those showers and discovered that in shower in room number four, one of the carpenters had put a nail through... Through a pipe. Through a pipe. So scared during construction, absolutely. And it was pulled out. He He knew what he had done, and he never said anything to anybody and so it would only work it would only be a problem when somebody was using that shower (laughs) oh my god so it was intermittent unbelievable that is unbelievable you guys had a it was a five float tank center yeah i didn't realize it was that large that that is quite the operation right there yes yeah well we didn't see we didn't know enough to make it a different size sure we looked at we looked at all the empty spaces mm. in the city of los angeles they weren't many we we discovered at that time that we used a, a real estate person uh they knew everything they knew what was empty what was full who was a good landlord huh. What kind of landlord would put up with the kind of thing we were yeah, talking yeah. of that had, hadn't been done yeah. before? So he was a real guide to get us through getting a good landlord. And then he said things like, be sure you get three uh, estimates on the work. Mm. And so we did. We spoke to three different carpenters. And we took the one with the middle 
uh, offer. Because we and, liked them. You know, we, we, oh, really? we you know, <laughs> simpatico. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah, the first guy came in and he said, oh, you're going to have a bathroom for women? They are the dirtiest and the worst. I said, oh, cross him yeah, off the list. wow. You know, so they let you know in many ways whether you can work with them or not. Yeah, cool. But we, you know, we did have somebody who we liked a lot who became very interested in what we were doing and s supported us in an, a lot. Oh, wow. And very so, cool. uh, yeah, so it was just step by step by step because John Lilly just said, you know, when we said, okay, all your students have used our tank at home and, you know, we've done all this and that, what's next? And he just looked at us and he said, well, start a center. Huh. <laughs> well, there was no such thing, you know, yeah. what, what is that? Well, he didn't know, but he thought, we'll figure it out. I mean, he was like that. He was just in an... Did you feel special at the time? Did this feel like revolutionary or did it feel um, just just the next step and, and natural? I mean, I, these didn't well, exist. What did it feel it, like for you? It, it, was, it was pretty revolutionary at the very beginning because people would ask us, what do you do? Yeah. And we'd, 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 <laughs> you and, and we'd say, uh, we make this light-proof, sound-proof, gravity-free uh, tank, isolation tank. And once we finished our spiel, people would say... They'd start running the other way. Why, yeah. why, why would you want to do that? <laughs> and so we had to learn how to turn people on instead of turn people off with the... Right. Words, and right. we finally came up with something that worked very well. What now? What is that? Because even today, I think some of us are still having that same problem. Yep. Yeah. What so, What are those words? What can yes. we say? What can we do? So, uh, it's a little bit larger around than a twin size bed, chest high. You know, what our, originally we were saying four feet by eight feet by four feet, and that that just those kinds of things oh. people. People run away. Totally. So, right. so a little bit larger round, twin-size bed, chest high, contains 10 inches of water and so much Epsom salt that when you get in and you lie face up in the solution, it's 20. It's so heavy it pushes you to the surface, so you float like a cork, weightless, like an astronaut floating around in space. It's enclosed. You can leave the door open, or if you want to get rid of the distractions of noise and light, you can close the door. That everybody liked that. Cool. Nice. They, you know, no and locks. It was, no door doesn't even right. have to be shut. If you like, I like that as an option. You can close yeah. the door. Interesting. And it was easy to remember. I mean, we said it a thousand mm. times, so yeah. maybe yeah. after the 400th time, <laughs> you think, oh, yeah, Glenn, what's the next word? <laughs> no, I'm kidding about that. It was easy to remember. And, uh, and did you find, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's, you no, know, that's about it on that. So we had a way to describe, whoops, there go my earphone. Um, we had a way to describe what we were doing, mm -hmm. and that was very useful because we were out there looking for places to rent and, you know, and people wanted to know, well, what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. And we could tell them. Got it. So, uh, yeah, it Got worked it. out, yeah. But so for, us, I th oh, go ahead. for us, us, I think it took many, many years to actually come up with what we're happy with in terms of, well, why do you want to do it? You know, uh, oh, that's yeah. great, that sounds good, but what do you, what do, you do there? And, uh, it's only recently that we, for, for years, we wondered what it's like. What we like about it is how we feel when we come out. Well, what is that? And now we th think we have a handle on that, and it mm -hmm. has to do with consciousness. Mm -hmm. We, uh, maybe, t maybe we sh could go back a little bit to, to John in the Mind of the Dolphin, one of his books, a dolphin researcher has written a preview, and he talks about John, and he says, I'm going to read uh, from the preface that this guy wrote, and he said, John 
was a physicist, an MD, a psychiatrist, a sailor, a pilot, and a ham radio operator, and a computer expert. And it's like he was really great at all of those things. Uh, he says, Truby, another researcher, said John was the most certificated man he ever met. <laughs> Others have described him as a walking syllabus of Western civilization. Whale researcher John McVeigh goes even further, saying there was Kepler, Galileo, Newton, Einstein, and then Lilly. Wow. Certainly his discovery of the dolphins' conscious breathing, their brain size and complexity, and his recognition of their intelligence and sentience was a major revelation. Mm -hmm. So th this guy was, was at the level of uh, Einstein, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, he was truly a brilliant, brilliant man. And what was his interest all of his life? What was his focus? Even though he did all of these different things, what was his focus? It was consciousness. In other words, at, when he was 16, he wrote an essay on the nature of reality and consciousness. And why did he uh, research dolphins? The purpose was because he thought that dolphins having bigger brains than ours, were smarter than us. Hmm. The potential, right. Sure. And that they, were, they were the only creatures who had larger brain sizes than humans. Mm -hmm. And they lived in the water. And, and they, I think that they use some of that computational power to uh, be telepathic. Uh, Lee, you want to tell your story? All right, yeah. So we, our second tank center was in, uh, in San Francisco. And I went up to train the staff in San Francisco from Los Angeles. And on the way down, uh, John had some dolphins in a tank at... Um, Redwood City. Redwood City Marine World. And so because we knew, he said, you know, if you want to stop here and, and uh, swim with the dolphins, you can do that. So a friend and I were driving down to L.A., and we went and we swam with the dolphins in the tank. And I had been a longtime smoker, and I didn't have good breath mm. control. And the first thing when we got into the water with the dolphins is they went underwater, and I started thinking, oh, no, they're underwater. I can't swim underwater. Hmm. That was the last under-the-water thing they did. Immediately, <laughs> they were on top of the water oh and swimming gosh. that way. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And every thought that I had was immediately acted on. They, they didn't uh, worry about words. Well, they couldn't speak words. Sure. And I couldn't read those minds. But they could read my mind. And they just did whatever was wanted at the moment. When my friend and I got out of the water, we both got on to opposite sides of the tank. It was about 10 feet wide, okay. and we had a ball. And we were throwing it to the, it w each one of us threw it to the dolphin. And then it came back, and then we threw it to the other side. Well, as soon as the dolphin got a hold of it, he included one of us in the throwing back and forth. <laughs> and there, that's, that, uh, yeah. That is amazing. So it, it, is, it is amazing. Wow. And it's a con that's how they are. Hmm. And uh, I remember John telling stories that his, he got zapped by a direct look at an orca whale, gave him a look that he never forgot hmm. and it changed his life. So... Uh, he was very taken by his work with the dolphins, uh -huh. and he passed it on to us, and he considered that that work with a, uh, a being with a larger brain size was important enough to devote a book to it. Uh, what, what is it called? Man and Dolphin. And it's, um, 
It was just put out in print this past year, redone mm -hmm. in print. And it's very interesting because the, the assumption is that the main researcher was a woman, Margaret, uh, what lived with the dolphin. The two, they had water coming through the house. It was in the Virgin Islands. And the dolphin and Margaret were together all of the time. And that was because that's how John ran his research is that not the idea that you may not do, you may not participate in a research project. It is you must participate. Hmm. You know, how do you know what's going on if you're not there <laughs> and being part of it? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. So he, he influenced me and Glenn, I know, very strongly because he never considered or let on <laughs> that he considered us, you know, just stupid people. Um, but rather, we got up there and said, We're gonna, you want something? We'll do it. And then he said, okay, build a center. Wow. We didn't say, you know, what color should it be or anything <laughs> like <Sorry>. that. <laughs> we just took it step by step. Mm -hmm. And then, for example, when we finished building the center, he says, we asked him if he would come and talk there. He said, okay, you get me a list of 40 people. When you get 40 people who want to come and talk and pay me, I'll come. And he, he was always so practical. You know, the next thing, the next thing, uh, always simple. Uh -huh. Yeah. Always simple, doable. Yeah. And when, when you look at it, it's like, duh, right. But, but yeah, yeah, exactly. That's perfect. I love it. Can, can I ask you guys a question that um, kind of builds off of this a little bit, which is the idea of, and I think you've spoken at the, uh, this at the conference several times, uh, the idea of not influencing um, the floater's experience by giving uh, basically a pure introduction without information in it um, about, about what their experience will be like. And um, you guys were, were talking about giving the intro uh, thousands of times, probably probably more than anybody else on this earth. Um, I honestly disagree to a point. And I'm curious if we talk about it, if we'll actually find out that we agree with each other or if we disagree on just minor points or, or what. But, um, and, and I think this was something that Dr. Lilly believed as well, which is, you know, not, not painting the experience. Can you guys first just talk to me about what, what your thoughts are on that? You want to start, Glenn? What he? I, you're, I agree with you. We do not influence the experience of the floater. Our the uh, introduction changes mm. over time mm -hmm. as we watch. You know, a question comes up. If you can imagine this, after all these years, I noticed that in thinking about what we would be talking, all of us would be talking about today, mm -hmm. is what's different about people who come to float and those who don't. And I think that's still a matter to be examined. I'm not sure all the differences. Some of them I'm pretty clear about, but not all of them. But people are afraid to come to the tank. The ones who don't come are generally afraid to come for one reason or another. Sure, absolutely. And one of the things that we started looking at is that people want to be comfortable. Mm. And when they come and float in your tank, they don't know whether they're going to be comfortable or not. Mm. If it's a brand new something, they're going to get in. Is the water going to be cold or hot or get in my eyes? Or I'm going to be alone? Or is there a big bad wolf in there? Or, you know, what is it? that's going to happen to me that keeps me backing away from coming here. And so what we've been saying lately is that it's your job to the new floater, it's your job to be comfortable. You know, whatever it takes to be comfortable if you want to keep the door open mm -hmm. or closed or get in or out, please be comfortable. That's your job. Watching people as I give that orientation there is a huge sigh of relief. People do want to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so Absolutely. I am I am including that in each each time I give the orientation. So there doesn't have to be mystery well, about the, the tank itself or the room itself. Right, it's you. 
<laughs> you be comfortable. Yeah, it's yeah, your yeah. Job. And and then I can't. Yeah, I can't be comfortable for you. <laughs> right. Uh, with with the research that's being done, say out of Liber, I think they're they're kind of spearheading the float research at the moment. Uh, you know, we're we're learning more things about what happens physiologically or what happens to the brain during the float. Do you do you talk about that at all, or do you feel like that's uh, taboo and it should just simply be their experience? Uh, only if somebody would ask, mm -hmm. I would talk about it. Okay. But if they're not interested, sure. I yeah. I am under the impression that most people, this is science, and most of the people don't really don't care. Uh, this is audio auditory, <laughs> Lee. It's auditory. It's auditory. So maybe you explain what you just did. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this is from the heart. This is how I feel. This is what happens. This is the brain. This is what I think they told me I should. Mm -hmm. I might believe it. I might not. Mm -hmm. I, my mother told me that, too. She was always right. Um, mm. But it's the heart and the mind, and those are two separate systems that we yeah. operate from. Yeah. And I'm going to go a little sideways now, is that I have come to uh, see that uh, when you go into a center and you have several people who have come out of the tank, that you're in a heart place, not a brain place. People aren't sitting around in your center talking about, oh, my brain really was <laughs> ex exercise. You know, it's yeah, not, yeah. you know, and the latest numbers on, you know, on what, la-di-da, yeah. uh, they were proved in my float today. Right. But there is something that happens in a center that's running where people are actually floating, coming in and out, that you're immediately contaminated by this feeling of happiness and, y and uh, people liking each other and being uh, cynical. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's pretty amazing. Mm. And I think that is one of the things that we, all of us here, have to offer mm -hmm. is this caring about each other and liking each other and laughing and having fun and um, and when you have a center that's operating well that's what you feel when you walk in the door yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I can just only only say yes just because I hear that from my our, our employees so much that they actually love coming into work or the feeling when they come into work or they have two jobs and when they come into the flow shop is it's the one that they look forward to where they can be themselves. And like you said, the, the feeling of happiness and openness, the warmth is, is right. real and emanates outward from, from our employees too. Right. When, when you talk about the heart uh, as opposed to the brain, do you talk about the heart effects at all in floating when giving an intro? And, I, and I'm sure if somebody's interested, you're going to go there. But as, as, a, as a rule of thumb, do you go there? We, we don't believe pro, people should be programmed before they use the tank. Mm -hmm. the first time. We want them to have their own experience. Mm -hmm. The second person that ever floated when I made the first prototype, well, the first person that ever floated uh, after myself, when I knocked at the end of an hour, he said, oh, it can't be an hour. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he told his friend about the tank, and they came and floated. And I was interviewing her, her afterwards, and she said, just about when you knocked, I figured an hour was up. So part of her yeah. experience was influenced by him, uh, and she became a clock. Well, mm -hmm. we think it's best. It's, from our point of view, the, the best thing about the tank is that you can get to know yourself. Mm -hmm. that if you can uh, learn about yourself, you can become more functional, you can become more creative. There are all sorts of benefits. And by being more, fun more uh, by looking at yourself, then all, all these benefits arise. Well, if you're having somebody else's experience, you aren't, that's, that's 
counterproductive. Right, yeah. So what we think is that no matter what experience the person has, the ideal thing is for them to have their experience, and it doesn't matter whether they're bored, whether they have pain, mm -hmm. Interesting. whatever their experience, it was perfect for that time. And we are not there to judge it, evaluate it, or discourage it. We think it is perfect, so that's how we approach it. And building off of that, uh, things have changed so much in you know, since since your first commercial float center and the proliferation of information about floating. I think Portland is a great example of people who know what floating is, even if they haven't tried it yet, just because we have so many float centers, so many people have come in and floated. Um, I floated because of a podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience, and I thought I was going to be talking to alien Jesus with symbols around my head. I thought it was going to be this insane experience because exactly what you guys are describing, it was somebody else's experience. It wasn't my own. Do you do anything consciously to battle um, the, the programming that they've already had before they've come into your center from, from their friends or at parties, et cetera? No. No. But by, by them seeing that they were influenced and that they bought somebody's program and that they had some, some judgment about having bought that mm -hmm. uh, and so on, they get to learn more about themselves. So it really doesn't matter. Okay. But I don't want to be the cause of it. Right, right. And I, knowing yourself, I think, I think it's true that the more you know yourself, the more you like yourself. That's been my experience with floating. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. There's another thing about that, and that is that it, it took me a long time to realize this, but I am so much more creative than I used to be. Mm. And it's like we all have these, these traumas that, uh, that, that we hold on to, that, that we can't get rid of, that, mm. that influence us either physical or emotional ones. And if we can let go of those uh, one way or another, then, and we don't have those, we become so much more creative because the creativity comes from the being, comes from the, the, the spiritual realm. And if you don't have stuff in the way of it, it just flows in. Right, right. I'd, I'd like to mention something that you probably have heard, but there was a, a factory worker who had a heart transplant, and he suddenly, after the transplant, he stopped listening to the kind of music he had been listening to and started listening to classical music, especially violin concertos. And he started hanging out with uh, African-Americans, which had been totally opposite of what he'd done before. And later he found out that a black man on the way to studying at a music conservatory was killed and the black man was going to be studying the violin at the music conservatory. <laughs> so what this tells me is that not every that was the heart he got. Not everything yeah, okay. not everything is mental. Not everything's in the <laughs> yeah. brain. Mm -hmm. There's all this stuff in the in the in the heart and the you know, if you believe in uh, in you know, uh, life after life. Reincarnation. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like that, that beingness, the, the thing that goes between lifetimes is, it seems to reside in the heart. And so if mm -hmm. you are able to float long enough or often enough that you can get this mental chatter, all this mind stuff 
out of the way, process it or drop it one way or another, you move into a space of beingness, of presence, of a, a spiritual being that actually goes between lifetimes. And a lot of people don't quite know how to talk about it, so they say, well, I floated and I got relaxed. Well, what they mean is they became a being, but they don't have any words or thoughts for that. They don't have any words or thoughts for that, so they yeah. call it, oh, well, well, I was relaxed. Right, right. Okay, but it is... And which is true. Quite yeah, significant. Sure, sure. And, yeah. and that's where creativity comes from. We, we aren't creative. It comes in from somewhere else. And if we can let go of all of our, our uh, traumas, then we can be receptive to a higher intelligence, and we can be unbelievably more creative. It's like, now, now I am so much more creative than I used to be. It's, it's staggering, totally staggering. I, I totally agree. And, totally agree. And, and that creativity, to if, if I can actually use that as a little segue here, a little professional segue, that creativity has led to your latest product, yes? Yes. Oh. You've you're, you've created a whole new float tank. Can you can you tell us about that? Yes. Well, we we felt that there was not an inexpensive, uh, high quality, durable uh, tank that gets rid of all distractions. That was really affordable, and mm -hmm. we decided we had to make one. And it has taken us a while, but we we have come up with it. We originally were going to make it out of cardboard because we had we done one material. out of yeah. cardboard a couple mm -hmm. times before, and we liked it a lot. We like that material a lot because the the uh, moisture actually goes through the path through the cardboard. It cardboard breathes, and it stays dry. But uh, if you put a book on the top, oh. then if you put a moisture barrier on uh -huh. on it, then it, it can't breathe, uh -huh. so then it starts getting wet and soggy. But anyway, the, the market didn't like it, so okay. we decided to go with plastic, and we mm -hmm. it's taken us more than a year to, I mean, the tank is unbelievably simple, but it's been a long process, just like you doing the centers, uh, mm. You can't imagine. The, 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 yeah. Making a product is the same thing. Yes, I and, and we think we have come up with an amazing tank now. Uh, most inexpensive tanks have literally no insulation. Mm -hmm. And it's like having a uh, room heater on high all the time. All the time so right. you're, you're using massive amounts of electricity. And I don't know what you think, but I tend to think that we are moving towards an, a time when the global economy is going to tank, uh, if you'll so pardon the expression. <laughs> and <laughs> had to get one of those in there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are, and, and uh, energy will be a lot more expensive, and we're going to mm. want to be able to uh, have stuff that doesn't require a lot of energy. And this, this not only is the heating the solution uh, very efficient because there's massive insulation, but uh, we keep condensation from happening by having a top heater. And we even have a, a controller on that so that it only uses as much uh, heat as necessary to keep uh, condensation from happening. So oh, we're we're really excited <laughs> about that. And that's and a home build float tank, or not home build? I, I shouldn't call it home build, but the home use float tank. Yeah. Okay. Nice. It's very it's very light and uh, easy to put up. Easy to put up, and it, see, I we have a tank in our bedroom. That's where. I float every day, but it's and it's in the bedroom, and I like that, and I'm used to that, mm -hmm. and I'm lazy, 
you know, <laughs> into the shower and sure, you know, sure. it's just it's so simple to do mm -hmm. it that way. And uh, if you know, taking those words that John really gives about keeping the 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 population of the planet. Let me quote it. Let me quote it. It it is my firm belief that the experience of higher states of consciousness is necessary for survival of the human species. And then just yesterday, I got something from the Dalai Lama. We had seen this film a couple of weeks ago called The Last Dalai Lama. Hmm. And what he, have you seen that? I haven't. I haven't heard of it. What he says in there is that the Chinese are saying that they are going to produce the next Dalai Lama. And so he made a choice. The current Dalai Lama said he is not going to, uh, reincarnate. to uh -huh. reincarnate so that the Chinese cannot have the Dalai Lama. Wow. And that by him not reincarnating, then the, that we can keep that in, the w in our world so that the world oh. is stays safe. And wow. to me, I think the Dalai Lama is one of those um, unbelievable people to follow. I mean, he's Absolutely, just, I completely agree. Yeah. Un and unparalleled that I'm aware of. Unparalleled, right. And when he said that, that's the same thing that John Lilly said in slightly different oh, words, interesting. the quote. Uh -huh. this, the, it's the same thing, that we're not gonna survive if we don't take care of of the raising our consciousness mm -hmm. and it i don't know how many centers this country can hold at the moment we mm. have about 300 is what uh graham told me okay and it's such a large country and a lot of people just can't afford to travel long distance mm. to get to a, a, a tank center mm -hmm. but we were thinking that if we can supply them at home we just kind of acted as if John Lilly was still around we said you know there are this many tank centers and and he would say build them for home here's the next step that's the next step <laughs> Great. so that that was our motivation to make this move and you know I hope more, I would love to have more people floating mm -hmm. and have the number of people who are in the position of being more conscious keep right. growing and growing and growing Great. Because we're in this country, we're in an unusual situation in our Indeed, indeed. Yeah. What separates this float tank from the commercial float tank? Uh, it's it's not as abuse proof. Uh -huh. uh, it's like you. It, the The other tank is. It's like you. You know, people aren't. The public aren't necessarily very careful with stuff, mm -hmm. and. We yeah, make we <laughs> <laughs> we made this tank so that uh, we assume that it, if it's your tank, you're going to take care of it. So we don't have to spend money making it abuse proof. Mm -hmm. uh, so we right. can cut cut costs. Mm -hmm. However, that doesn't mean that it's not durable. I was born in 1941 to a fox farmer. My father was a farmer and. Back then, we lived in a little town of 200, and back then, if something didn't work on the farm, you couldn't go to a store and get it repaired or oh, buy, sure. a new, buy a new one. Uh -huh. You had to get that to work. And so functionality was, it, it put food on the table. You had to have things being functional. Right. So that's been my orientation all my life. Hmm. And... After we were first selling tanks in the 70s, in the, in the earlier mid-80s, I would get calls from tank owners saying, I've had the tank for seven years, but this part is starting to fail. What do I do about it? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I couldn't give them an easy answer oh. to that. Mm -hmm. And I hated that. <laughs> With my orientation of functionality, <laughs> to me, that was intolerable. Right. And so I started making tanks that were very durable. And like Lee and I, the tank we 
uh, float in on a daily basis mm -hmm. in our bedroom is a 25-year-old tank. And there was a tank. Uh, hey, we got a call yesterday from one of our customers from 20 years ago who said, Marshall Chess, <laughs> who's saying, there's something wrong with my filter. Can you help me? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, 20 no. years. 20 years. Actually, it's 30. Tell oh, me, my gosh. Sorry. Tell me they've been changing that filter. It's, tell me, please. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, uh, we want the tank to be durable. Cool. And this, and this is. But not for the general commercial center, where people treat the tanks a little bit differently exactly. or explore it differently, a, a new person every single, you know, so frequently. Exactly. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, this and, yeah. and the authorities won't allow things that are durable. And the other thing that's different about this tank from most tanks is like our other tank, which is that it minimizes distraction as much as possible. All of our tanks have always had to be totally, completely lightproof. Hmm and soundproof. And uh, we were taught by John, and not everybody seems to think those are important attributes. <laughs> got it. So if you're bringing this into your home, into your apartment or your condo or your house, you know, you've got somebody playing guitar next door, or working on a drum kit, whatever, or the, the leaf blower is going by, um, yep. it's not just determined on your double pane windows. Your float tank itself is actually doing soundproofing as well. Yes. So that would be cool. Excellent. Or you can leave the light on in the room, so when you get out of your exactly, tank, you yeah, you don't it. have to, you don't have to put black plastic over your windows. Oh, interesting. Right. Got it. So you guys uh, have come up with a really cool, and I, I gotta admit, I'm a little jealous. I've always wanted to do one of these. I've just never had a reason. How did you guys come to doing an Indiegogo campaign to to help fund us? Oh. Well. Not a good story. <laughs> Great, let's dive in. <laughs> it, uh, we 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 actually recently have t done two different designs, and uh, we managed to go through all of our money and then some. Hmm. And so we, you know, things just took longer than we expected, and were more expensive than we expected. Uh -huh. You probably can't relate to that at all, but yeah, this is all uh, interesting. Never yeah, happened. That is just the story. Gosh, it's so amazing how uh, how much we hear that. Just every yeah. project. Mm -hmm. So uh, so we uh, got into debt, and now we're going to be getting out of debt. <laughs> Excellent. Well, great. Nothing like a good motivation, right? I mean, this is yes. a motivation to do something really fun and interesting. And it right. means uh, being on the podcast, which makes me happy. So this is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something that I think uh, is interesting as well is that you aren't just using the Indiegogo to sell the float tanks themselves. Um, so it's not, I mean, this podcast is for people who start and run float centers or are already running float centers. So it might not make a lot of sense for them to buy an at-home tank, although perhaps somebody would want one. I mean, certainly I'm not near my float center anymore as close as I'd like to be. So it's more difficult for me to jump into a float tank. So many, maybe people are in that situation where they'd want to purchase one. But with that being said, you guys have other things up on the Indiegogo that float center owners might actually uh, want to purchase to help uh, support you guys. What, what kind of items do you guys have for the float center owner? We have a couple of amazing uh, uh, pieces of artwork one is the pregnant see-through tank uh, mm. photo that you may or may not have seen that's on our Facebook. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. yeah, that was a, a project that came a, a day in the life of Los Angeles because it was invented in Los Angeles. We had, that's a whole, maybe we'll tell a story about that sometime. It's a real good one. You guys just need to come on next week too. Let's just meet weekly and, and tell stories, please. <laughs> but that's a good story. And the, the, another piece of artwork we have was given to us by an, an early uh, customer who was on his way to um, live in India. And it's a, a piece of art. And if you look on Indiegogo, you'll see it, although mm -hmm. they, it's not centered and you can't see the whole thing. And it's a, a beautiful piece of art. And the headline says, God is in a Samadhi tank. And it goes on from there. And, 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 we, are, and we are figments of, of his, his imagination. <laughs> right.
<laughs> and and it looks like a Peter Max uh, artwork. I don't know whether you know his work, but it's stunningly beautiful. Stunningly beautiful. Nice. Uh, there's one more that I'm excited about as well. Well, I think there might be a few more that I'm excited about, but people can actually spend some time with you, yes? Yes. Oh, we're, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. We're going to be cooking some people's dinner. <laughs> They're going to spend uh -oh, an evening. Now, nice. is that your first time cooking, or you guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've, we've never, never cooked never before, no. cooked before <laughs> but we thought it would be fun to try. Where do oh, we that's research? <laughs> some top ramen, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. Oh my gosh, that's great! So they actually wait. Are they coming into your home? Yes, they get, they get to actually visit. Wow, right. that's really cool. Excellent. You know, and there's a there's what? Oh, actually, so I just I'll note the uh, thermometer. If you want to get a thermometer for your float tank, that's actually available too, which is really fun. Uh, this one isn't on there, and I hope um, I know Steve twenty three is is helping you guys out with this, and I hope he uh, hope he gets this up there as well, but. The potential to just do what we're doing right now, either a phone call or a Skype call, and just spend some time yeah, that's a great idea. swapping stories, I think would just be the funnest thing. Um, I would, I would, I would drop a few bills for that experience, and also just knowing that I'm helping support you guys and creating this product and getting it out there to the world. So good, uh, we'll add that. Fun. All right, yeah. please, please do. Yeah, um, we'll do. Is it live currently? Is it actually launched? Yes, yes, okay. it is. Perfect. And and the easiest way to find it is. In Google, just to type Indiegogo Samadhi Tank. Yes. And then you can go right there. Yep. But if you want, I can give the URL as well. Um, it's a long one. I don't think we should do that. Instead, uh, we talked about our website plenty. I think people know artofthefloat.com. Uh, if you go to the show notes page on this episode, we'll also have a link to it there. But yeah, I did. I uh, went. I did Indiegogo, searched float tank, and it was actually it was a few down. So I think if you put Samadhi in there, then it's going to mm -hmm. be the, the first thing that you see. And if nothing else, watch the really sweet video. It's it's the second image, second thumbnail to click on. You can <laughs> you can watch this sweet couple uh, and and uh, learn about their float tank. And also, of course, all the different items that they have up there as well. Uh, I'm excited about that. And anything else that you guys want to share about the Indiegogo campaign itself? We d I don't know enough yet to be able to share it. It just went up today. Yeah, how and exciting. Yeah, cool. Right. Okay, so it was today. Okay. An yeah. Another one that we will be, uh, another perk or reward is uh, that we will be doing a training that to help people in their center be able to interface with the floater in a more conscious way. We, that... we, we were contacted by Revival, which is a new center here in Grass Valley. Uh -huh. And they asked, would we come and train them? And, That's awesome. And we, we will do that. We okay. want to do it. Yeah. And, and are you guys willing to do that on Skype or phone as well? So anybody? Sure. I, well, for them, they're right down the road. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. So we'll, it will be in purpose. And on, yeah. But we're not sure. They have a good sized crew. And so we'll work with them and see, get feedback as to what they want and how it works, yeah. Some of the exercises that we do uh, make it a little problematic doing something on Skype. Ideally, you get the most out of it if we can actually be in the same room. Got it. Uh, okay. But probably 90% of what we do doesn't have to be that way. And, you know... I'm not sure what we'll do about that 10%, but uh, but ideally, if we can be come to your center or or you come to come here, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you'll get you'll get a little more out of it, Got probably. It. How fun! Wow, you guys are willing to think outside the box. Then <laughs> sounds like it's great. Um, I think this is running for a month. I believe so, and your goal is a hundred thousand dollars. It is a flexible goal for anybody who, who knows what that means. Uh, and um, I absolutely hope that you guys get there. I think that you absolutely can. And we'll be helping promote that on our social media as well. And I'm, I'm excited that this podcast gets the word out there. And uh, I hope people pick up this float tank and, and also support Glenn and Lee Perry, the, the people who started this industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. 
And, yeah, and we appreciate being here. It's great. I thank love you guys what you do. so much. Yeah. Really, we'll That's just we'll we'll just do make this weekly and uh, just chat. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be lovely. No, but, story but hour, uh, the Perry Story Hour. It has right? a beautiful ring, Dylan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. They haven't signed on yet, but let's ah. let's publish it. Let's do it. Uh, no, but if you guys would like to come on again in the future, that would be an honor for us. And really, this today's episode has truly delighted and honored me. So thank you so much for. We, we'd be happy to. Yeah. We'd be happy to. I was uh, shocked and amazed when when I heard that you knew what my show was. To be honest, so knew what Art of the Float was. So that that already already tickled me. So to actually have you guys on is <laughs> very sweet. Uh, Thanks. I'm going to do just a little bit of house uh, housekeeping to close out the show here. Uh, one is just thanking our sponsor, Float Away. Float Away makes uh, Tranquility Float Tank, Float Around, Float Cabins. Um, they're also working on uh, a portal for for their uh, online service of accessing. Um, information as well on their float tank. So again, like water chemistry, all of that, logging that information. Uh, Floataway.com is where you want to go to check them out if you're interested. I want to thank everybody who's supporting us on Patreon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we are also available for consulting. If you're interested in helping start up your float center, run your float center, we offer that and we have a lot of fun with it as well. And have a lot of success with it. I'm, I'm really excited to, now that we've been doing it for a while, we've seen a lot of float centers open and, and actually uh, stay open. So that's really fun and exciting. Uh, let's see here. What else? Um, thank you, Kim, for writing our show notes. Thank you, Amy, every single week being here. And just one more time, Glenn and Lee, thank you so much for, for joining us this evening. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Great. For everybody else, remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing, so spend some time there. We'll see you next week.